0: There's nothing else that needs to be done for salvation. Jesus Christ did it all. He did it all because there's nothing that we could have done anyway. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. The book of Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're continuing our series through Ephesians. Of course, our theme this year is... It's taken from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And our desire is to be strong in uh, our homes and in our personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and our church and in every area of our life that we live. And we've been going through Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, Paul is talking about the walk of a Christian. And he talks, first of all, in the beginning of chapter 4 about how we are to walk in unity, and how important it is for Christians, believers, to walk in unity. And then, as we began just a couple weeks ago, um, he talks about walking in holiness and making sure that our life is uh, lived in such a way that it honors and glorifies the Lord, walking in holiness. This morning, we're going to begin reading in verse number 25. We'll read, begin reading in verse number 25. He says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the great singing this morning. And Lord, the messages that the songs have been uh, bringing this morning. Uh, Lord, even this song that young people saying it is finished. And Lord, we thank you that you finished the work of salvation. Lord, there was nothing that we could do. There's nothing we can add to it. It's only what you have done. And so, Father, I pray today if there might be someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, Lord, may they realize today that it is finished. It's not what they can do to save themselves, but, Lord, it's what you did. And if they'll just put their faith and trust in you, then they can be saved from their sins as well. Lord, for Christians this morning, I pray you would speak to our hearts and, uh, Lord, areas where we need to, to change, where we need to be convicted, uh, Lord, where we need to draw closer to you. I pray you just work as only you can. Lord, that you would uh, receive the glory through all that is done in our hearts and our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, as we've been going through here, this walk in holiness... And as we've seen, God's desire through this is really to, there is to be a complete abandonment of the old way of life for this new life that we have in Christ. If we go back up a little bit in verse number 17 through 19, he talks some about this old way, how we walked in the vanity of our minds and uh, in wickedness and in emptiness. He talks about the walk of the Gentile. But then he says in verse number 20, you have not so learned Christ. In other words, if we are learning Christ, if we are learning uh, him and drawing closer to him, we're not going to walk in that walk of the Gentile. There is a walk of holiness, uh, a desire to be more like Jesus Christ that we're going to walk in. And he says in verse number 22, that he put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and true holiness so he has this idea what he's saying is as a believer there is a there is a gentile walk a walk of the world and there is a walk of god a walk in holiness and he says as a christian when we accepted jesus christ as our savior um, we have this new life in jesus christ Right? We are a new believer in Christ. But when we became a new believer in Christ, we did not become perfect, right? We just don't automatically, everything is just, we don't sin anymore and we don't ever do anything bad anymore. No, he says there is still a battle in the life of a Christian in which way we're going to walk. Are we going to walk in worldliness? Are we going to walk the walk of the Gentile? Or are we going to walk in holiness? and walk the walk that God has for us. And so he tells us here, he says, we are to put off the old man, right? Again, understand the old man and the new man. And if I could maybe kind of use this as an illustration, right? So let's just say I have this, uh, I have this black sheet here. And this black sheet is going to represent the old man, right? So I have put on the old man. Did you see me put it on? If you didn't, you need some glasses, okay? Uh, I did it right in front of you. It was not a magic trick or anything like that, okay? This is, the, this is the old man, right? So when I get saved, guess what? The old man doesn't go away. When I get saved, the old man is still here, right? I still have my flesh. The old man is still present, right? That's why we still struggle day in and day out, whether to walk the walk of the Gentile or to walk in holiness, Look, if this was just such a simple thing that once you get saved, everybody's going to walk in holiness and everybody's going to do everything right, Paul wouldn't have to give this instruction here. But it's not the way it is, is it? Right? We all struggle. Right? We all struggle in how we're supposed to walk. And so what Paul is saying is, look, we have the old nature. We have the old man. Okay? That's just by nature. But he says, now also we have the new man. And so we have this new nature in Christ. And so he says, Look, we have to put off the old man. We have to take it off. Right? We have to make a decision. I'm gonna take off the old man and I'm put on the new man. Right? This is the new man, right? Did you get see how we did that? You know? There's two different colors. You saw that? So you can differentiate which one is the old, which one is the new. Okay, This is not because I'm cold. All right, It's not because I'm cold. Okay, uh, So he said we have to put on the new man. So I have to make a decision to take off the old man and put on the new man. And watch what he says, which is created in righteousness and true holiness after the image of Christ. So there is a a decision that I have to make. I have to choose every day because every day I wake up and I have a decision to make. What am I going to put on today? What am I going to put on today? Right? As soon as your eyes, as soon as your eyes open up or as soon as your thought process begins, uh, whatever time it is, whether it's at four o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning or eight o'clock in the morning, your eyes open and you have to, your thoughts begin to, you're you you have to make a decision now am i going to put on the old man or am i going to put on the new man today am i going to desire to walk in holiness or am i going to walk life of a gentile right now sometimes we begin already in the old man don't we how many of you hate your alarm clock See, you've already began in the life of the old man, right? I mean, before you even got out of bed, you didn't even have time to, I mean, you just automatically, pff, there's the old man right there. I hate this alarm clock. I'm going to snooze, right? I mean, yeah, throw it across the hallway. I mean, I mean, just even that, sometimes we can wake up in a bad mood, right? Guess what that is? We have chosen to put that old man on. We've chosen to put the old man. You say, I didn't realize I even made a choice. You did. We made the choice to put on the old man. And see, it's so easy for us, isn't it, to do that? So easy just not even to think about it, just to put on the old man. And this is why Paul says here, this is what he's saying here. It's so important that if we're going to learn Christ and if we're going to walk in holiness, he says you have to put off the former things. You have to put off the old man and every day make a decision. Man, I've got to put on the new man. I've got to make sure that I'm walking in holiness today and not walking in the old man. Right? It's a decision that we make every day. And here's the thing. We make this numerous times a day too. Because you could wake up in the morning you're like, hey, Lord, I, I, I want to walk in holiness today. And Lord, I want to be uh, right with you. And so, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in holiness. And you, and you walk out and, you know, all of a sudden your boss calls. And as soon as you see the number, what happens? The new man goes off and the old man comes back on. Why is he calling me? doesn't he know it's i'm not supposed to go into work today i mean what does he think he's doing and we already start acting with the old you see how easy it is to take off and put on these things this is what he's saying this is why it's so important for a christian to make that decision every day we have to put on the new man but here's the thing we have to make sure we do we have to make sure to keep him on we have to make sure to keep the new man on don't take it off It's so easy to take it off. It's so easy to just revert back to the old man, to the flesh. He says, no, you've got to work to keep the new man on, right? Now, how do we do that? This is exactly what Paul is going to explain here, right? This is the application. This is what he's been saying. Hey, you've got to walk in holiness, right? And we we think holiness. All right, I have to walk in holiness. I have to walk like Jesus walked. What does that look like? What does walking in holiness, what does that look like? I mean, we look at Jesus and we think he's perfect, right? We understand he's holy, he's perfect. So how in the world am I supposed to walk in this new life in holiness? I can never be perfect. I can't be perfect. And what happens? When we're not perfect, what do we do? We start beating up ourselves because we weren't perfect. And we start thinking, man, I've just failed God, and he must not love me anymore, and, and it, m- maybe this is just, it's, maybe I'm just not spiritual enough, I'm just not the right type of Christian, because if I was the right type of Christian, then, then I would have done what pastor said, and I'd be walking in holiness, but I, I, just, I just struggle with that. And I... Friend, do you understand that is every single person? That's not just you, Right? Believe me, it's me. And it's the person sitting next to you on your right and on your left and behind you. It's every one of us. We all struggle with this, right? Don't think that you're the only one, friend. No, no, you're not the only one. But Paul, knowing that we are not the only one, wants to help us with this. Notice what he says in verse number 25. Wherefore, wherefore right so he's just told us right because of what he's just instructed us in about walking in holiness he's just instructed us about learning christ putting off the old man putting on the new man right well what does that look like paul give me something that i can see show me what that looks like i mean it's it's not just a sheet right we know it's not a sheet we're not just putting on this old man and putting off the old man and putting on it's not what is it paul how can, I, how can I see what this means to live out a holy life? This is what he's going to do. He's going to list nine things over the next couple verses, but we can break them down into two different categories. He's going to talk about our actions, and he's going to talk about our attitude. These are the things that Paul's going to talk about these next few verses, our actions and our attitude, because our actions and our attitude determine which one we're going to put on. What are we going to put on? Are we going to put on the old man? We're going to put on the new man. Well, what does the new man look like? Here we go. Are you ready? He says, wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. So here's the first action that he says. You want to know what walking in holiness is? Stop lying. Wait a minute, pastor. I thought you were going to give me some really like deep theological, you know, some really deep, deep stuff here, right? No, Paul says, stop lying. Speak the truth. Stop lying. Speak the truth. You understand? That's that's holiness. That's that's living out holiness. Stop lying and speak the truth. Why? A lie is a statement that is contrary to fact. It is spoken with the intent to deceive. Why do we lie? And by the way, (laughs) those of you that have children, I didn't even say anything and you're already like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, (laughs) right, amen, preach on there. How you, You have children... How many of you had to teach your child how to lie? Amazing. Not one hand is raised of a parent. Not one hand. You did not have to teach your children to lie. You know why? They were born with the old nature. They were born with this old nature. You didn't have to teach them how to lie. You didn't have to teach them how to be selfish. That's how they were born. You know why? Because you're that way. Oh, you thought it was just the kids, didn't you? No, because you're selfish. You lie. That's why they are. By the way, it was your parents because it goes all the way back, right? We are born with this old nature, right? And this is what he says we are to speak the truth. Now, again, it's part of our old nature. Even in John chapter 8, verse number 44, he says, You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, for he was a liar from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He says the reason why you lie is because your nature is to lie, because our nature is a sinful nature just like the devil's. It's sinful. He is the father of lies. And we follow our spiritual father before we are saved. That's right. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. They just know how to lie. The devil, his desire is for us to question everything that God says. He wants us to believe that God is a liar. By the way, isn't that what the devil said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3? Didn't God say you could eat of all the, the trees uh, in the garden? We've well, said, yes, we can. We can eat of all the trees in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We're not supposed to be eat of that one or we will die. And the devil says, no, you won't. What did he say? God is a liar. God says you're going to die, but you're not going to die. God is the one that's actually lying to you, and the devil wants us to think that God is a liar. The devil already is trying to put into your mind this morning, you cannot walk in any way except the old way. You cannot walk in holiness. You cannot walk in this new life. He's already trying to put that into your mind. You can't do it, so just don't even listen anymore. You've tried it before. You've tried it. Don't listen anymore. He is a liar. Why would God tell us to do it if we couldn't do it? He knows we can, but not in our strength. He knows we cannot do it as long as, are, as long as we are putting on the old flesh, the old nature. No, we can't do it. That's why he says you've got to take it off. You've got to take it off. Leave it off, right? Put away lying. There are many people that try and say they are good people. But there's no one who can say that they have never lied. That's why I believe that God put it in Revelation chapter 22, verse 15, when he talks about all of those that are going to go to the lake of fire. Everybody can say, well, I'm not a murderer. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a whoremonger. I'm not one of those people. He says, yeah, but all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. You know what that means? That means everybody. If we don't accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, then he says our eternal destiny is going to be in the lake of fire. My friend, can I tell you, it doesn't have to be. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross to save us from our sins so that we would not have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. So why does Paul tell us not to lie but to speak truth? Now watch this. Look at verse number 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Here's why. For we are members one of another. Now, may I say this? Please don't misunderstand what Paul is saying. Paul's not saying the only people you have to tell the truth to is to Christians. It's not what he's saying, right? But how much more should Christians be honest with Christians? Now, again, Christians ought to be honest with everybody, right? He's not saying there's a certain group you have to be honest with and a certain group you don't have. But he's saying as believers, again, we're to walk in unity, and part of that unity and holiness is speaking truth to one another. Why? Because we're members of one another. We're part of the same body. That body should be speaking the same thing. The body should be speaking the same words. It's truth, not lying, not deceit. This is how we build that that body in love. Remember what he said? But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him into all things, which is the head even Christ. Can Can you tell me one lie that Jesus told? Can't, can you? You can't tell me one lie that Jesus told. You know what he says? Learn Christ. Learn Christ. How sad is it that many Christians are known for their deceitfulness? That Christians are known for not even being able to to keep their word. You know, he says that shouldn't be. He says, you know what? You need to take off the old nature. Put on the new nature, right? Don't lie. Look, these things are not... If you came this morning thinking that, man, I'm going to get some deep theological lesson and everything... It's, it's going to be pretty simple this morning. It's going to be pretty simple. But here's the thing. It's simple, but then you have to make a decision. Which one am I going to put on? Am I going to leave here with the old nature? Or am I going to leave here walking in the new nature? Am I gonna leave here walking the walk of the Gentile or am I gonna leave here walking in holiness? What are you gonna do? And by the way, when you get to the restaurant, guess what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to make a decision. Am I gonna walk in the old nature? Am I gonna walk in the new nature? When that young lady or that young man gets your order wrong, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna respond? Well, they, they should, I mean, they're, they're paid to get my order right. They should, I mean, next time you need to come to my table. And they... You see, you, you just took off the old nature really quick. You see how easy it is? You see, it's simple, but yet, why do we have such a hard time doing it? He says, stop lying. Notice the second thing he says in verse number 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your eyes. Ah, preacher, look at that. So we have the right to be angry. Yeah, I knew I could be angry. He says, be angry and sin not. Say, wait a minute, can that even go together? Can you have anger without sin? He says, be angry and sin not. Why? Anger is an emotional arousal. It's caused by something that displeases us. But notice, he says, be angry and sin not. Do you know what that tells me? Anger is not the sin. Anger is not the sin. If If it was a sin, he would just say, don't be angry. But he says, be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. You see, the sin is what we allow the anger to do to us. Do we allow the anger to control us? Do we allow the anger to do things that we would not normally do? The word sin here, when it says be angry and sin not, is the Greek word hamartino, which means to literally miss the mark. So he says, be angry and sin not. So be angry, but don't miss the mark here. Be angry, but sin not. Let me give you a couple of examples. Jesus was angry at the religious leaders. In fact, when Jesus goes into the temple, he asks them, is it right to do good on the Sabbath? There was a man that had a withered hand there, and the Bible says that they were watching him to see what he would do. They were watching him to see if he would choose to heal this man on the Sabbath day. And so, Jesus, knowing their hearts, he says, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? And of course, none of them would respond. And so, what does Jesus do? The Bible says that Jesus was angry. Why was he angry? And this is what the Bible says He was angry at the hardness of their hearts. He was not angry at them. He was angry at their sin. He was angry because their hearts were so hard that they could not see a man in need. They were so concerned about the letter of the law that here was a man that was in need and Jesus had the power to heal. But instead of being glad for that man, instead of listening to what Jesus is saying, they're watching to see how they can trip him up. They're watching to see how they can accuse him of doing something wrong. And Jesus was angry at them for the hardness of their hearts. Was Jesus angry when he went into the temple and he found the changers of money and he found the sheep and everything in there? I think he was a little angry because the Bible says that he took a a whip. He took some leather strips and and made them into a whip and he drove them out of the temple. He overthrew the the money changers' tables and and he drove them all out of the temple. He was angry at the sin, but not at the person. I like what E. Paxton said, To be angry and sin not. We must be angry at nothing but sin. To be angry and sin not, is not to be angry at a person, but to be angry at sin, to have anger towards sin. And here's why. It is hard. It's difficult for us to practice what we would say holy or righteous anger. Because our emotions are affected by sin, and we're not able to see everything the way God does. You see, what happens with anger with us is it's not just about the sin. We actually get mad at the individual, and we start putting on the old nature. I get mad. I get angry at that person. Mad at them. What do we do? We put on the old nature. No, 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 no. He says, be angry and sin not. Not. So if you're allowing anger to cause you to sin, then you're putting the old nature back on. You're taking off the new nature, which is created in righteousness and true holiness, and putting on the old nature. You're sinning through your anger. Again, when you think about it, in Psalms 97.10, the Bible instructs us that that to love the Lord is to hate evil. Here to hate evil. When we think of how uh, alcohol, what alcohol does to a family and how it destroys a family, how drugs destroy a person's life, how unborn babies' lives are being taken by the abortion industry, we ought to get angry at sin. Amen. We ought to be angry at sin. When we see the way our country is going and we see the way our state is going, we as Christians ought to be angry at sin. And we ought to stand up for it and say that's wrong it's against god god says it's wrong but instead what do we do we i'm just not going to go there i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings wait a minute if it's sin we ought to be angry at it not the individual look hey can i tell you something look there are many that are uh uh, homes that have been broken because of alcohol and drugs look can i tell you something they need jesus they need Jesus Christ to save them from that lifestyle. And Jesus is the only one who can bring them deliverance. Look, we, there are, there are uh, uh, people that are getting abortions and taking the lives of the unborn. And yes, we should stand up and say, hey, that is important. That, that is a child's life. We should stand against the abortion industry. But hey, that person that maybe has had an abortion, we should come around and love them and say, hey, we want to help you through this time. Maybe that wasn't the wisest decision. But can I tell you something? God still loves you god still loves you and he cares for you maybe there's somebody that's thinking about having an abortion instead of just standing up and saying hey it's murder it's wrong it's sin don't do it maybe we got to love that person try to help them understand why god says it's wrong you see we get we get so angry we allow anger to consume us that's sin that's sin he says be angry and sin not by the way i would encourage you to be back tonight six o'clock I'm going to bring a message on issue number one tonight what is this whole issue about number one that we're voting about here in november it's all going to be about that tonight you want to know what the bible says about it you might want to be here tonight how can we vote about things we don't even know what the bible says about it amen he said pastor you're not supposed to talk about politics i'm not talking about politics i'm talking about the bible it's about the bible We had to be angry at sin. It is possible to be angry and not sin. But if we do, what does the Bible tell us? Notice, he says in verse 27 neither give place to the devil. Can I tell you something? The devil wants nothing more than for you to stay angry, he wants you to be mean. Wait a minute. What did we just read back in verse number 15? But speak the truth in love. Look, can I tell you something? Jesus, there were times when Jesus had to call out the Pharisees, and he called them vipers, and he called them hypocrites. Can I tell you something? Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. Do you understand that Jesus died for the Pharisee just as much as he died for the publican? Jesus died for you just as much as that person that's on drugs. Jesus died for you just as much as that person that's in that abortion clinic performing those abortions. Can I tell you something? Jesus died for them too. Sometimes we forget that. No, no, he died for them just as much as he died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He says, be angry and sin not. Neither give place to the devil. He says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If we do sin, God tells us we're not to let the sun go down on our wrath. You know what we need to do? When we recognize, man, I have, I have put on that whole nature And I have allowed anger in my heart. And I have allowed it to to do something I should not have done. You know what he says? Don't just leave it there. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. What does he say? Take it off. Take off the old man. Recognize what it is. It's the old nature. It's the old man. Take it off and go back and put the new nature on. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have have been angry like that. Lord, I'm going to be angry at the sin, but I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to love that person. Look, we understand that the whole LGBTQ thing, that that is against the Bible. That is against God. But may I ask you, when you deal with that person, which one are you going to put on? Which one are you going to put on? Are you going to put on the old nature or are you going to put on the new nature and walk in holiness and show them the love of Jesus Christ? Oh, friend, please do not misunderstand me. By no means am I ever trying. I am not condoning the sin. I'm not condoning abortion and and drunkenness and drinking. I'm not condoning uh, immorality. I'm not condoning drugs. I'm not condoning the LGBT. No, no, I'm not condoning any of those things. It is sin. But God does still love that person. So how are you going to respond? How will you respond? The old nature or in the new nature? You see, that's where your choice comes in, where you decide how you will respond. I love what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse number 1. He says, "A, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. We need to be careful in how we respond. Again, we're talking about our actions here: lying, anger. Notice verse number twenty-eight. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is good, that he may have to give to them that uh, that needeth. So, what does he say? Not only should we uh, stop lying and uh, stop being angry, but he also says we need to stop stealing. Stop stealing. You say, well, Pastor, you might as well just skip over this one because I don't have a problem with it. You know, I haven't stolen a thing in my life. Well, if we didn't have a problem with it, it wouldn't be here, would it? Because it's not just about taking something from someone. You understand that, that even time, when we take someone's time, that's stealing. Look, we're all guilty of it. We've all probably taken a little bit longer breaks at work than what we're supposed to. We've all come in a little bit later than what we're supposed to or a little bit earlier and still said we were there for the full time. Can I tell you something? That's stealing. That's stealing, right? It doesn't have to just be an object. It can be many different things. He says that him that stole, steal no more. Even it's one of the Ten Commandments. When God gave this law, he instituted the right of private ownership of property. You don't have the right to take what someone else has worked for or owns, no matter how much you like it or want it. God says, if you want something, guess what? Work for it. Pretty simple, right? You work for it. Our society has twisted it. and said, if you want something, charge it. Right? If you want it, just charge it. Pay for it later. No. He says, if you want something, work for it. And the problem is that we don't actually own it, right? When you borrow something, the one who you borrowed the money from is the one that actually owns it. So instead of helping them get more stuff or take your interest off the money you borrowed, don't charge it. Don't borrow. Work hard. Work so that it's yours, and then you'll have to give to others. I like what he says here. Notice he says, work to have. Not what we would say. We work so that we can have something. That's what he says. Working with his own hand that which is good that ye may have, right? He says, you want something, you work for it. It's a good, it's a good philosophy, Right? Work for it. But watch, he says, you work to have, but you have what? Just to be able to blow on yourself? No, watch what he says. That ye may have to give to him that needeth. He said the reason why God blesses us is that we can be a blessing to others. God blesses us. We work so that we can have to give. God says He blesses us so that we're able to give to others. And as God blesses, then we're able to help those others who have needs. Can I tell you something? That's walking in holiness. That's living in holiness. That's living it out, right? I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be angry at people. I'm not going to get angry at them. No, I'm going to be angry at sin, but I'm not going to sin through my anger. And I'm, going to, I'm not going to steal. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be a hard worker. I'm going to be one that, man, with, with, at work, people know, hey, man, that, that, that Christian right there, he is the hardest worker we've got. I mean, he is. You're not going to find a harder worker than him. Be a hard worker. And then our speech. Notice what he says in verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Why does he deal with our speech here? Why is our speech so important? Because in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, he says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What's in our heart is what comes out of our mouth. When your heart is changed, it will naturally affect your mouth. It's interesting. The word corrupt here refers to rotten fruit. Rotten fruit. Have you ever taken a a bite out of a piece of fruit and it was rotten? You know, you ever, you ever done that before? Or a vegetable, you know, something like that. Maybe it's an apple. Yeah, it like, looks really good. You take a bite of that apple and then it's like, it's like all really mushy and stuff. And you know, I mean, as soon as it touches your taste buds, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah wash my mouth. Out. That's what he's saying. That's, that's the sin that he's talking about here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's what he's talking about here. That's why he's saying we need to be careful in our speech. So we don't have rotten, worthless speech coming out of it. And I think I can go a little bit farther here. I don't believe I'm adding to scripture. If you think I am, I'm I'm not. I'm not adding to scripture. But I think I could speak for the Apostle Paul in this, since this was long before the age of internet and social media. But I think not only what our speech says, but what you write and put on social media platforms should have the same standard. Amen? We have this idea. Well, I didn't say it. I just put it on social media. Where'd it come from? The heart. The heart, right? Doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's speech, whether it's on social media platform, whatever. We just, we, we, have this, we have this thing with social media that, well, as long as it's on social media, you know, that's, that's, that's somebody different. It's not really me. No, friend, it is you. You, you said it, Right? That was what was really in your heart. That's why you put it out there. I can tell you, it saddens me to see things that Christians put on social media. Because I know, I know for a fact that if, if, if if they were standing there among other believers, they would never say anything verbally like that. But yet somehow it's okay to put it out there on social media because it's written. It's not really verbal, it's written. No, friend, that's just as wrong. Let no corrupt communication. That that rottenness that just, man, it just spews out. Why? Because we're still robed in the old nature. It's all selfish. It's all about me. I think the old saying is true. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Right? Because watch what he says here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers, right? He said there's a purpose for what we say. There's a purpose for what we put out there. It ought to be uplifting. It ought to be encouraging. It's ministering grace to the hearers. It's not rottenness coming out. And let's be honest, there are some rotten Christians out there. Come on, right? We've all been rotten before. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. We've all done something we shouldn't have done. It's rottenness. Why? Because we're still in the old flesh. We're still in the old nature. So what is he saying? Hey, you want to know, know how to walk in holiness? You want to know how to apply these things? Right? Here we go. Don't lie. Speak the truth. Right? Be angry and sin not. Right? It's okay to have anger at the sin, but not at the person. Make sure we still have love in our heart. Right? Work hard. Be a hard worker, right? Don't, don't be a thief. Don't be stealing things. Work hard and make sure what's coming out of your mouth is good and not rotten. I'm telling you, man, this is really deep this morning, isn't it? It's deep. But yet we have so much trouble with these things, right? Why? Now watch this. Watch what he says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed under the day of redemption. You see, when we choose to walk in the flesh, when we choose to walk the Gentile walk, when we choose to put on the old man instead of the new man, he says it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because God's Holy Spirit is there to help us to walk in holiness. Do you connect the dots on those two things? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is to help us to walk in holiness. Right, He's there to help us. But instead, we just yes. grieve him and we put on the old nature. Now, watch what he says here because this is really interesting. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And we go to this pastor. We're like, look, here you cannot lose your salvation. And praise God for that. The Bible says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. And praise God. That's exactly what he means. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You cannot lose the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. Praise God. But it also means that he is always with us. And that means every time that we choose to walk in the old nature, we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Every time we take off the new nature and we put on this old nature, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It grieves him. And here's the thing, friend. Understand, he cannot leave. He will not leave. He is the seal unto the day of redemption. Every day that we choose to walk in the old nature, we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God god's spirit living inside of us is grieved every day when we choose to lie and be deceitful when we're stealing from our boss or from others when we're being angry at people we have anger in our heart and bitterness every day we do that we're grieving the holy spirit of god why because we have chosen to walk in the old nature instead of taking it off and putting on the new nature And he says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because you're sealed into the day of redemption. Don't forget you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And every time we choose to walk in that nature, we are grieving him. And he says, don't do it. I'm begging you. Please don't do it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Keep the new nature on. Walk in that new nature. Man, even if it means every day for hour after hour, you got it, Lord, please help me. I want to keep that new nature on. Lord, I want to walk in holiness. He says, do it, but keep the new nature on so that the Holy Spirit is pleased with your life. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve him because he's the seal. You can never lose him. But boy, I wonder how many Christians are grieving the Holy Spirit day after day after day because we choose to walk in the old nature instead of putting on the new. Our actions, but notice our attitude very quickly this morning. Look at the attitude. In verses 31 and 32, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here's what he says. He lists five things about our attitude here. Again, these are things that, that come from the heart. These other things, that the actions, those are things that are seen. But now he deals with the heart, right? Bitterness. What is bitterness? It is, a, it is a settled hostility that poisons the whole inner man. It is harboring anger and hostility towards someone for what they have done to you or to someone else. Now, let's face it. There's not a one of us that doesn't deal with this. Because someone, somewhere, sometime has said something or done something to us that has just, and we just want to get even. Don't look at me like I'm the only one, okay? (laughs) And we just, we begin to harbor that bitterness, that bitterness that is there. I like what one person said. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's what bitterness, it doesn't destroy them, it destroys you. It destroys you. Someone who is bitter is often sharp, resentful, cynical. They're cold, they're harsh, they're distasteful. Hmm. I wonder wonder how many times that's us. We're harsh, resentful, bitter. He says, no, 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 put that off. Put it off. Don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. Let all bitterness, wrath. What is wrath? Wrath comes from bitterness. It is a, wrath is a violent outbreak of anger. It's being quick-tempered, right? We just get quick-tempered. We, b- because of bitterness or something, or somebody does something or said something, we just automatically, we just, automatic, just want to lash out that's what he means by this wrath it's, it's being quick tempered right? and I know people say well that's just the way I am then here's why that's why you're the way you are because you have chosen to put on the old nature that's why because that's not what the new nature is about the new nature is created in righteousness and true holiness and if you put that on let me tell you what you can't have can't have wrath can't have bitterness it's not going to be there in the new nature well that's just the way i am no that's the way you choose to be because you have chosen the old nature instead of the new nature bitterness wrath anger anger directed at individuals it broods it harbors malice it doesn't forget it desires revenge it justifies what others have done to continue in your anger Never going to forget what they did to me. I can't, and we're just going to keep bringing it up, right? Don't you remember what you did to me? Can I tell you something? Can I tell you where this is the worst at? This is the worst. Between husbands and wives. The worst between husbands and wives. Husband might do something. What does the wife do? Never going to forget that. Never going to let you forget it either. The wife does something. Husband says, I'm never going to let you forget that. What is that? That is anger. That's that anger. We're never going to let them forget. We're going to make sure that they always remember what they did to me. We're going to make sure that they always remember how they treated me. We're going to make sure they always remember what they did to my family. We're going to never let them forget. That's anger. Because we're putting the old nature on. Can I tell you something? That destroys. I don't know how many marriages I've seen destroyed because of anger. One does something to the other. And even though they ask for forgiveness and they seek restitution, they try to make it right, they just cannot let it go. Never let it go. And it destroys. It's anger. Clamor means to cry out or shout aloud. It's always making known what others have done to you. Heh. Do you know what they did to me? You know how they treated me? You know what they said to me? Can you believe that they said? That's also known as Gossip. We're going to make sure that everybody else knows how bad they treated me. We're going to make sure that everybody else knows what they did to me, what they said to me, what they did to my family. I'm going to make sure that everybody knows. That's clamor, the Bible says. We're shouting it out. We're proclaiming what they've done to me. And we're making sure that we're saying, hey, I'm in the right and they're in the wrong. This is what they... Do you not understand by being clamorous that you're the one that's in the wrong now? Maybe what they did to you at the beginning was wrong, but you have chosen not to let it go. You have chosen not to forgive. You have chosen to continue in the old nature. Now, it's not just their sin. Now, it's your sin as well. Because you have continued in that anger. Remember what he said? Be angry and sin not. Evil speaking, slanderous, harmful words, trying to tear people down. Trying to make ourselves look better than everybody else. I'm going to tear their. You see how you see how ugly that dress was that she had on. You see those shoes that she was wearing. You see how man that sweater he was wearing. That coat that he had on. That, I mean, there's always talking down about people. This is evil communication. Do you understand what he's saying here? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He says, get rid of it. Take it off. Get rid of it. And yet for Christians, we just keep going back to it over and over and over again. In fact, we kind of like to hang on to it. It almost feeds us. You know why? Because we've chosen to put the old nature on instead of walking in holiness. Look, I told you, friend, this isn't deep stuff. This isn't deep you don't have to have a theological degree or a PhD to understand what Paul is saying. Holiness is simple it's learning Christ. The learning to take off the old nature, take it off, and put on the new nature, which is created in righteousness and true holiness after Jesus Christ. Friend, that doesn't mean we're not going to struggle, oh, we're going to struggle. That means we're going to have to, day after day, we're going to have to go back to it. Lord, I, I don't want that old nature, and we're going to have, you know what? It's going to come back, and we're going to have to take it off. We're going to have to take it off and put the new nature back on. It's work. But can I tell you, it's a work that is worth it because we're able to walk in holiness. And this is what he says. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God's for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He says, God says, I want you to be kind. Well, I just don't think I can forgive. Mm, I don't think that's it. It's that you don't want to forgive. You want to hold on to it. You want to hold on to that anger, and you want to hold on to that wrath. You want to hold on to that bitterness because God says, Forgive. Why? Watch what he says. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Can I tell you something? I'm so glad that when i was clothed in wicked sin and unrighteous that jesus christ was willing to take my unrighteousness all my wickedness all my every single wicked thing that i'd ever done and he was willing to take it and forgive it and the bible says cast it as far as the east is from the west he says i'll never see it again and he says i will give you my righteousness I'll give you the righteousness of Jesus Christ and you can walk in holiness. You can, friend. You can. His desire is for you to walk in holiness. He showed us exactly this is what holiness looks like. This is how it is. He said, this is what I want you to do. The question is this. How are you going to do it? He's not going to force you to. It has to be your choice. You choose whether you will continue to walk in the old nature or you're going to take it off and put the new nature on. Can I tell you, I'm glad that God does not forgive the way we forgive. Amen? We forgive for about five minutes and then it's back. When God forgave, it's gone. He's never bringing it back up. He's never reminding us, remember how wicked you were? Remember all the wicked, sinful things? No, he's never reminding us of those things. He simply clothes us in his righteousness and he says, You're mine. And he said, That's how I want you to treat others. Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Are you going to walk in holiness? You're going know, to walk in the new man, created in holiness, righteousness? Or are you going to keep walking the walk of the world, the old man, the old nature, anger, wrath, clamor, evil speaking, lying, stealing, all those different things? You have to make the decision. I wonder whether their heads bowed and her eyes closed this morning, no one looking about, Every head bowed, every eye closed. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior.